0: At the beginning of this year, if you would have asked me where will I be serving at the end of the year, I would have said Pearl and Independence. I'd been serving there, and everything pointed to the fact that I would be reappointed. And even after the appointment process, I was reappointed to those two churches, and so I was even more sure that that would be where I would end my year. Now here we are at the end of the year, and I'm not serving where I would have envisioned it at the beginning of the year. Because mid-October came and there was a phone call that I received telling me that I would be appointed as the head pastor at Forest United Methodist Church, and that I would no longer be serving at Pearl UMC. And that if independents would like to change their worship time, that I would stay there. All of this came about in a whirlwind. No one saw it coming. I didn't expect it. And even as it unfolded within roughly two weeks' time, I could not have imagined how it all would have unfolded. And as the last couple of months have unfolded in front of me, I've started to realize that there's no way that we can predict the future. We have no idea what the future holds. And for many of us, even in our current climate, especially within the United Methodist Church, we continually try to predict what will happen in the future. How things will go. What will the church do? In this morning's text, as we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, we hear that about a story from Mary and Joseph, and that what we see is that they couldn't have anticipated what was coming either. The birth of a child? All that that child's life would have? I mean, I've never had a child of my own, but I, I have many nephews, and I realize that you cannot predict how they will turn out. And here's Mary and Joseph, betrothed to be married, and all of a sudden they're told, hey, you're going to have a child. And they're saying, but wait a minute, we're, we're virgins. How does this even happen? They couldn't predict the birth of the child, the fullness of this child's life, or the enduring impact that it would have on our lives. None could have imagined what God was going to do and accomplish through this child much less the impact it would have on our world. And today we hear about a birth that is of God. That it's ultimately about God's action in this child that is to come. Notice that in our text that we're about to read, neither Mary nor Joseph have any words in this narrative, and the only action is obedience. The only words come from the angels. And in Matthew chapter 1 we hear this, that this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. That his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. He said, I know what the law says, but I don't want to embarrass you, so we'll do this on the low." But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is indeed from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets, that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Jesus, the one who will save. Emmanuel, God with us. The story of this morning's text proclaims the great mystery that God is indeed with us. And that that is sufficient. As Diana Butler Bass, uh, author and Christian historian, notes, hopelessness has worked its way into our spiritual DNA of many churches and many denominations. It is hard to hope for the future when your congregation is declining, when Sunday school is empty, when people are arguing about whatever the, um, the current issue of the day is, and there's little money to pay the pastor. When the programs to increase numbers and vitality have failed, hopelessness endures. Yet, through the Advent season, we come proclaiming hope. What keeps this wild hope of Christmas alive year after year? In a world that is notorious for dashing all hope, saying it's hopeless, give up the dream that this child who was born that day may come and be born again even in us. Brings us hope. That amidst everything going on in our lives and in our churches, in our world, in our communities, that God loves us enough to enter in and be present with. To walk with us. To be Emmanuel, God with us. Or we might even want to say, God really with us. That, That God came to be with us wherever we are. Not as we know that we should be, or that we're trying to be, or that we've promised that we will be one day. But God is with us wherever we are. Today, in this moment, here with us. And that's the promise at the heart of this passage. That just as God came before, Christ enters in today. To be with us. To use us for good. To accept us as we are and bless us by God's presence. Yes, God is really with us. As we are. I'm reminded, and I've shared this story before, but John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement on his deathbed, was asked, what is it that you would like to proclaim to the world? What do you want the world to know? And the last words of John Wesley proclaim this, that the best of all is, God is with us. Above everything else that may be happening and everything else that he had ever preached, he said, if you want to know what it really boils down to, it's this, Emmanuel. And Emmanuel suggests that we should also consider this name not just as a name, but as part of Jesus' vocation. The translation, God is with us, doesn't completely capture the sense of the Hebrew word. The word suggests that God is in common with God's people. That God is one of us. This is the beauty of Emmanuel, that God entered in, in human form. And John captures this sense when, in John chapter 1, he says that the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And Jesus' calling, as we hear at the end of our passage today, is to save his people from their sins. But in the term Emmanuel, we hear that it is also to manifest God's presence in a godless world, to shine the light into the darkness, to be that sense of hope, joy, peace, and love in a season that may not always be joyful, or peaceful, or hopeful. In a world that can be marred by hate, we hear God proclaiming a different way. And Matthew modifies the quote from Isaiah chapter 7 slightly. He says in Isaiah, You will call him Emmanuel. But Matthew proclaims they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel isn't the name that Joseph gives to the child. He names him Jesus. But it is the name given by others as the people experience God's presence through Christ. Jesus means the one who saves us from our sins. And the world proclaims that in Jesus Christ we experience Emmanuel, God with us. That both of these things are present tenses. They're not things that just happened in the past or a proclamation as we look to the end times of what may happen then. But they are in a present tense proclaiming that Jesus is here and now saving us from our sins and is indeed Emmanuel, God with us wherever we find ourselves today. That is the hope that we rest in. That is the joy of Christmas. That is the thing that brings us peace amidst a time of turmoil. And that is the thing that fills us with love of God and love of neighbor, that God meets us wherever we are. That is the reason today that we rejoice. That we don't just proclaim what God has done, that we don't just look and say, well, maybe God will do. But today we rejoice that Jesus is saving us from our sins, that Jesus is indeed Emmanuel, God with us, and that this is our present and current truth. Because John Wesley hit the nail on the head. The one thing that we need to know above all else is this. That the best of all is Emmanuel. God is with us. We may not know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. And we know That no matter the path that we trod, we do not trod it alone. We are not alone in this journey. And so maybe, just maybe, we need to stop trying to predict the future and start walking with the one that seeks to walk with us in our current situation, wherever we find ourselves. To take a moment and reflect. Manuel. God is with us. Amen and amen.